Welcome to the Everything Early Childhood podcast designed for approved providers, nominated supervisors and other childcare leaders. This fun, lighthearted and very serious podcast features weekly episodes on strategy, advice and conversations with fascinating and inspiring people from across our sector. Join the journey and have access to the tools and inspiration you need to create high performing childcare businesses. Let's get started. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Everything Early Childhood. My name is Lisa Brown, and I am your host. This week, I have been jogging my brain trying to think of a topic that we should explore. And when we did our little survey in our quiz, we had a lot of feedback come back that you were all really keen to talk about creating engaging learning environments. So when I was thinking back on my practice and visiting services, a lot of conversations that I've been having with amazing superhumans out there, it's been coming a lot um, or back to a lot in relation to one of the biggest challenges which is coming up, which is behavior. And then on the opposite side of that, it's like, what are we doing in our environments to set children up for success with helping themselves to self-regulate, to identify their emotions, to be able to say, what is it that I need in this space to be able to help myself or, and do I feel safe, secure and soothed in this space? So been doing a lot of work um, and a lot of training with um, Alita. So she's been doing a lot of training with our services in relation to nervous system regulation. So that's been a really big topic. And based on that, a lot of different critical reflections and questions have come out of that with educators and really understanding what it is that we can do and how we can set our environments up for success. So if we look at different theorists, so Reggio Amelia talks about the environment being the third teacher, but what does that actually mean? And how can we facilitate our environments to make sure that we are setting children up for success and that it is doing part of our job to help children to feel really safe in our environments? So today I'm going to go through a few different um, theories and concepts just based around quiet spaces in our classrooms. So I've noticed that upon in my visits there has... Um, been a really limit. I don't know what's happening, but they're becoming quite larger and more open spaces. Um, So in our homes as well, like if you think back to the 1950s, every single part of our home had a had a wall, had a division. And then if you move through the decades, even with architecture, you look at how we've become more open ended and how we want to have that open style of living which I think has transferred over to our classrooms a lot. The difference is that classrooms can become a really noisy and overwhelming environment, which can often lead to inappropriate and challenging behaviours by children. But if we really understand the impact of this sensory input from our environment and how important it is in helping us and make necessary changes to create a stress-free, calm environment for our little friends. 
So we're going to delve into that today, but I hope wherever you are, wherever you're listening to us today, that you're having an amazing week. Um, I love coming to you all every week and we've got some great guests lined up. So we've got a guest from Canada talking about, I don't know what we'll delve into. She's got a whole array of different knowledge in early childhood, but trauma-informed practice. We've got music in early education coming up. So really excited. I, I just love, this is doing the podcast has really made me realize how much I love just hearing people's stories and what how they why they do what they do and yeah so I love it so much and that's why I love sharing it with all of you so let's delve into it so there are so many different aspects to consider when looking at creating these sensory smart spaces Um, and today I want to focus on the benefit of having these quiet spaces for children to escape to when it all gets too much and it's not even that it's just helping them uh, like I always have the question and you'll hear me say this over and over and over again because it relates to so many different things it's like are we setting the children up for success. So if we want a particular um, outcome, have we given them the tools and the strategies to be able to achieve that outcome? So when we look at these quiet spaces in the classroom, there's many, many benefits that these quiet spaces have. So it's a little hideaway and I want you to create your beautiful little name for it. So as I was doing research and thinking about it, there's so many beautiful little names like a hideaway space, a mindfulness space, a place to be alone, a place to be in my own company, um, a cozy cozy area. A um, There's so many different beautiful like be by myself space. And we really want to make sure that we involve the children in the decision making to support their agency in making these really crucial decisions with what they would like in their environment as well. So when we look at the benefits, so the benefits of these quiet spaces are emotional regulation. So these spaces provide a retreat for children to calm down, to manage their own emotions, to self-soothe when they're feeling really overwhelmed, anxious or upset privacy and comfort. So quiet spaces offer a sense of privacy, allowing children to feel safe and secure, which is crucial for their emotional development. They might have sensory overload. So in noisy and stimulating environments, children may experience sensory overload. So hiding away in spaces allows them to offer a break from sensory input, aiding in sensory processing and reducing stress. Um, It allows for concentration and learning. So these spaces encourage focused activities like reading or imaginative play and helping children develop deep concentration and cognitive skills and also imagination so even for us if you for I find I don't know about you but when we have those moments of quiet which generally for a lot of us are either on the toilet or in the shower. This is where our most imaginative and best creative ideas come from. So if we create these spaces for the children, and these are little human beings, they don't know what their feelings are in their body and there's so many different things happening and they're feeling all of these little um triggers and emotions that are happening in their bodies. They don't know, they don't know what they are. So it's our job to take these moments as teachable moments and help the children understand and be able to articulate, but also give them the skills and the tools to be able to self-regulate and offer them that soothe and support in those moments. So it really helps um, independence and decision-making. So when children learn to make decisions in these spaces, that fostering independence and problem-solving skills 
Um, Self-expression, so quiet hideaways can be places for creative expression where children can draw, write, engage in imaginary play, nurturing their self-expression. So you might think of these quiet spaces as being quiet and sometimes they are, but sometimes um, we've had these spaces. So and I'll give you some strategies of what you can put in these spaces, what to think about. But one of the spaces that we created was literally outdoors. We had this big, um, we got it made. It was a pot, like it was a big wooden um, yeah, pot almost like, but big, it was like a meter tall. And so instead of having it in the outdoor environment, because it was too tall for what we needed it for, um, because I'm bad at maths and I can't measure (laughs) anyways, we brought it inside and then we just put it on its side and then we created a little hideaway. So it was a space for one or two people um, to go inside and they loved it. They loved being in there. And sometimes it was like a dinosaur cave. Sometimes it was like had all the babies in there and they'll put in the little babies to sleep. But it transformed over time, but it gave them a way to escape. It gave them a way to feel like they had that privacy. Um, and sometimes it was just for children when they weren't feeling great. They just wanted to be by themselves and that's okay too. So it also gives them time to rest and recharge. So whilst we have quiet time in most services each day, what about throughout the rest of the day? What do we have in our environment to be able to support children to have that quiet time to hide away and support that physical and mental rest? And it's really essential for everyone, not even just children's, but everyone's well-being and development. So looking at how these spaces can be incorporated into your your room is really, really important. So you can use lots of different things in your spaces. So you can use... Um, you might have like a little tent that you use or a teepee. You might just have like a little corner of the room or I love rooms when they're designed and they have, you know how they have two walls on each side and it's just like a little nooky area and it's just like a little hideaway space. You can even use the sheer curtains to so you can still see through everything and you can still see it, um, but it allows them to feel that sense of feeling enclosed. Um, even just creating the soft warmth lighting in these spaces. So think about what textures, what materials, um, what the lighting is. How does it feel to be in this space? Where should this space be located? So I recommend that if you look at your space, um, actually a lot of, so interestingly, um, there was some research done a few years ago. I'm not sure who conducted the research, but having a quiet space, which to me seems I don't know, counterintuitive, I suppose. But a lot of services actually started to create their quiet spaces or escape spaces near the front door. Because to some children, they need to feel an exit, like they need to have a sense of exit, particularly if you have anxious children. So it really worked to have these quiet spaces near, near a door so that when they came in, that was the first space that they could be or they could feel there because they knew that their parents were going to arrive and it was close to the door. Now, for me, my my instincts I wouldn't have it near a door but I would have it so that you it's it's in the furthest corner but you can see the door from where it is um, really consider not having these spaces in the middle of the classroom you can also use these as multifunctional spaces. So sometimes it might be a really beautiful, quiet hideaway. Then you might have your group time in there. You might read some stories, create a little campfire. But really thinking about in your space, what can this and or what does this look like? I'm just looking at some beautiful pictures. So as part of our engaging 
learning environments training I'm looking at some beautiful pictures of some spaces um, that we've created over the years but there are just so many there are so many aspects to consider when looking at just that space and creating that you know sensory aware space for children to have that quiet time to escape when everything gets too much to cope and just like us as adults when we think about it like what things do you do for your own mindfulness and how do we relate that back to children and have them and support them with that nervous system regulation so thinking about all those tools with how you can set them up for success and what you can have in those spaces so they're designed for a space that children can retreat to when they feel overwhelmed and overloaded, um, perhaps by sensory input or the immediate environment. And it gives them time and space to really calm their sensory systems and take control of their emotions again. And it's an effective quiet space and should always be used exclusively for calming down. So think about what you have around that space. So when we're looking at designing an environment, we want to make sure that all of our quiet spaces are together. So if you have a quiet space, you potentially wouldn't have your construction right next door to your quiet space because that is a loud space. So one way to think about it is loud and quiet spaces and what they should be positioned next to each other. So this really helps um, to make sure that um, it stands out and make sure that you look at what what materials and things that you have in that space as well. So there must be a clear way for children to indicate that they need to go to this um, chill out, cozy, nookie space. And there must also be potentially a set of rules around this space. Because I have seen that when services have started to implement a calm down space, they've actually taken it away quite quickly because we know anything that we put out for the first time there's going to be that novelty around it and everyone wants to use it and sometimes what happens without having these discussions and involving the children in that planning and that decision making what can sometimes happen is that we see those behaviors that those negative behaviors hitting pushing kicking he wouldn't let me in he's not being my friend and generally what happens is that we just take away that space because we like like, oh my goodness, that is just too much. I cannot deal with that. But it does not last forever. And we have to remember that there are going to be times where we need to support children in order to regulate their emotions, their feelings, and those big feelings around um, being excluded or being included in those spaces. So have those conversations around rules, um, how many children are in this space, and you will have to be really close to this space for quite some time until they get used to the space. So when you're designing your space or setting up your quiet space, think about things like choosing really calm colors. So shades of blue and green, and that comes back to color research with what are calming colors. And actually green is an intellectual color. So it promotes, if you're planning a study at home, green is a really great color to use in your study. We want to make sure we use comfortable furniture like fluffy cushions, soft blankets to create a cozy atmosphere. We want to have a variety of soft toys, so things that the children can hug um, that will go a long way to calming a child or even bringing in their own little friends um, that they bring from home. We want to have books, so having books in this space can be a really great way for the children just to have that quiet time for themselves. Potentially, you might have some art or some 
some colouring in materials. So we know for us, colouring in is scientifically proven to be a great way to be mindful in the moment um, and to calm down or express our feelings through drawing. You might want to have some headphones um, connected to an iPod um, and then we can load some music and some calming music. Interestingly, some children calm down to different types of music. So don't necessarily think that it just has to be classical music. Have a few different varieties of music on there that the children can choose um, to calm down. And then you can make a fidget box. So that would be like stress balls, um, calming bottles, jelly beads, small puzzles, elastic bands um, or so we want to make sure we stretch them out, stretch and pull. Um, and that helps us to really um, put our hands in a fist and feel that anger and pull in a socially acceptable way. And But just to release it, that's the idea. We, we say to children, you know, stop yelling, stop doing this. But we really, there's two things that are really important, I believe. The first one is our language and how we're supporting the children in those moments. And the second thing is um, and our, also our nervous system and how regulated we are in those moments. So practice with your team. Create different scenarios and practice in those, t- in those moments if that ever happens and then you know because it's in your uh, what's it called muscle memory and it just happens and then the second thing is your spaces your environment is so crucial and so important to setting up great habits and great um, routine for the children so that and don't change your spaces all the time it's like the analogy I give is um, if I went to your house and I changed your bedroom, but I changed your bedroom every single day, how would you feel? So if you came home every day and your bedroom was changed around? Interestingly, I'm getting a lot more people answer to me these days that they're like, oh, that'd be awesome. I was like, are you sure? Because that is your space. And I don't think anyone would appreciate anyone else coming into their space or and arriving every day and for it to be different. We like to have that sense and that security of knowing that when we arrive, it is going to be and look a certain way. Yes, there can be surprise and delight. And there are some people that love change out there. Um, and some children that love that as well. But generally speaking, it's better to change up what is in the spaces and not the spaces themselves. So, so you might have some other things you might have in these quiet spaces, particularly uh, pipe cleaners to bend, stretch, twist and turn, noise cancelling headphones um, to block out overwhelming noise and to help the child self-regulate and sunglasses or eye covers to escape from bright lights. So at some or other points, most children will need some time out from the overwhelming environment and having a safe and peaceful place to go helps children take ownership over their ability to self-regulate their emotions and sensory systems, which are crucial for their focused learning. I remember in my first year of uni, I did this um, activity. Yeah, I'll call it an activity. Um, and I, I've not been able to find it since. So if anyone knows of it or knows where I can find it, let me know. But it was life changing. I So what we had to do, we had to sit in this environment. We had to put headphones on. We had to have oven mitts 
and we did it twice. So the first time it was playing a game and it was listening to instructions. So it was a brand new game. We'd never played it before. And the teacher was in the space. So we were the children in the space. And um, the first time you do it, you, you listen to the teacher's instructions and you play the game and you follow the game. The second time you do it is where you put on the headphones, um, which is playing music. You put on the oven mitts so that your hands obviously can't pick up anything or grasp anything. And then in your headphones, not only uh, like you're trying to listen to the teacher, but you've got the background noise and all this noise is like the drip, drip, drip and the fan going. Um, that is so overwhelming. And if we look at neurodivergent um, children and understand like autism, sensory processing, and they say that we're all neurodivergent of, of some of some kind, but I think to anyone, like even sitting in that moment and experiencing that, I couldn't pick up the pieces. I couldn't hear what the teacher was saying, so I didn't know what to do. I could only hear the background noise. Like I just wanted to take the headphones off straight away, but this is what some of our children are feeling in our spaces and we wonder why they're crying we wonder why they're screaming we wonder why they're running around trying to you know get that out of their system because these are the environments and this is how we're setting them up so we need to go back and we need to think about you know our environments and what it would be like to be a child in this space and how we can actually transform them and set them up for success and focus to learning. So in these soft spaces, it helps to be able to, I wanted to introduce you, actually, I wanted to introduce you to two concepts. One, when I was going through this in these quiet spaces, I was like, you know what, this is actually really relevant. So the first one I wanted to talk about was the enclosing schema. So if you go back to our episode on play schemas, um, it goes through all of the schemas. But this one in particular, I wanted to go through enclosing. So you'll notice when the children play, in this schema, they build enclosures like fences, walls with blocks and other things when they play with the different objects. They also love to wrap up dolls, toys um, in the dramatic space, or sometimes you might even notice them enclosing their own bodies or by wrapping themselves up in fabric or hiding in small spaces. So often in the outdoor environment, this is really easy to find and easy to see because you might have plants built up. So when I think about quiet spaces, it's not just for the indoor environment. Everything we do in the indoor environment can also be transferred into the outdoor environment. So it's thinking about creating that one space that children can spend their time in. Um, when we look at the enclosing schema, you and you notice that the children are starting to do that. The enclosing can help your children and with their emotional regulation as well. So as children create different boundaries and enclosures, because that's all they are, they start to feel a sense of control over their environment, leading to a sense of security and comfort. This is really important for children who may be feeling overwhelmed or anxious in the environment. So if we give the children the opportunity to create enclosed spaces where they can process their emotions, calm down, it will help them to express their emotions in a safe and contained way. So for example, if a child is feeling angry, or frustrated, they might find comfort in creating an enclosed space that feels safe and secure. So the second concept I wanted to explore today, and you may or may not have heard of it, it is called Huga 
and I used to pronounce it HIG because that's the thing that you have when you study online for uni. Um, all of these concepts that you read, you have your own pronunciation. So you need to go to Google and you say, how is this pronounced? But it's spelled H-Y-G-G-E. And it's across Nordic countries like Denmark, Sweden, Finland, um, and they're consistently ranked as the world's happiest countries year after year. So many put down that their approach to living known as Huga, which has received lots of attention in recent times, it even made the shortlist for Collins word of the year in 2016. So it's also been talked about as, as a con- in the context of early childhood settings. So you might be wondering what it's all about and how you might go at embracing it. So put simply, Huga is a Danish attitude to life that focuses on living in the moment and feeling the joy there is in everyday routines and activities. So when I think of Huga, I think of cozy, warmth and safe. So I thought this was really relevant to our quiet spaces in our classroom. So there's a lot of research, Meek Weeking from the Happiness Research Institute in Copenhagen um, published or authored a book, The Little Book of Huga, and believes that there are 10 distinct elements that must be considered when adopting this lifestyle. So thinking about your atmosphere, so creating a calm vibe. The presence, so not being on your phone and living in the moment. So what can that look like in our early childhood environments about to say classrooms anyway pleasure so life should be fun enjoyable and bring great happiness so how can we have more pleasure how can we bring more fun what is the best day ever that you've ever had and how can you live up to that every single day the more fun you have the more fun the children have equality so no one is better than anyone else togetherness so spend time with people you care about and those that make you smile Gratitude, take time to reflect on what you're grateful for. Harmony, life is not a competition. And this is, I'm loving it so much. There's so many people in my circle right now who we're just cheering each other on. And, you know, you cheer other people on so much until it's your time. And then when it's your time, they cheer you on too. And I love that. It's about building up other people around us. Are you a build up or are you a crash down? So think about who you are and do you have that harmony? truth so there's no need for any arguments there's always sides to the story um, and it's making sure we're listening I think listening is so important comfort so relax wearing fluffy socks and be cozy so do children have to wear shoes in your environment for the entire day can they just be in socks is that how they're comfortable and think about your comfort level at home as well like what makes you comfortable and how can you bring that back into your environments your shelter so your home is really important that is your space so taking these as a starting point there are so many simple practical ways that you can bring this philosophy into your provision so here's some that you might like to try so thinking about swapping out the harsh strip lighting oh my gosh when I go into services and they have those um halogen lighting oh my goodness it's like I don't know how they have them in classrooms but think about how you can change them over to fairy lights led candles just turn the lights off you've got windows in your classroom which brings in that beautiful natural light anyway and so have them off you don't need them on create that beautiful soft lighting that will really calm your space your entire space um create cozy resting nooks in which uh, you know everyone can share a book so what do these look like in your service 
Add warm textures to your environment, so sheepskin, rugs, fluffy cushion, knitted throws. Bring nature into your service at every opportunity. Um, And they say that children's relationship with nature really informs how empathetic they can be, that that's where where that empathy comes from first. Um, And you want to share those special moments you've had together as a group. So print them out, put them in frames, photo frames around the space. So what memories have you had? And think about this for your um, staff room as well. How can you create and sharing these special memories and moments together? You want to create small places to talk and be together add some interesting objects to encourage discussion Um, you want to just declutter your environments to make them feel like really calm spaces I know for me I cannot work in mess or clutter so when I go into our services that we manage um and they'll tell you they'll attest to this they either know I'm coming so they'll clean it um in advance or the first thing I'll do is obviously say good morning to everyone but the second thing I'll do is clean because I cannot work in a cluttered space my mind my brain just doesn't cope so I'm like okay well this needs to be done before we can do anything Um, And then the last thing is take inspiration from like Scandinavian interior design and go for more neutral colors, grays, whites, um, grays, whites, and just like those neutrals in the spaces, um, wood tones. So think about how you can incorporate more wood. So going back to those natural textures and natural elements. So when you're designing your quiet spaces, it's not just about the material. It's not, sorry, it's not just about what you have in those spaces. It's about the materials that are available in those spaces that make the difference. So that would be like your textures, your fabrics, your curtains. Um, You can create curtains and netting. So with those sheer curtains, again, so you can see through it, but it helps the children to feel that sense of enclosure. You might have blankets, cushions, lights, boxes, containers, lids, because it's not just about them feeling enclosed. It's about, because if you think about a child, when they bring something into the environment or they make something, often they'll put it enclosed in something else because that helps them to believe that it will be safe. So again, this is all about the enclosure, feeling safe and secure. Um, Hammocks or bed sheets. So do you have hammocks in your outdoor environment? If you don't have a hammock, you can use bed sheets and ropes, capes and cloaks um, and construction materials so lego big blocks um, any building materials that they can um, enclose themselves in but as we said the most you know give a child a box and they'll be busy for hours so you might want to add some different things to the box so you might want to poke holes in the top and put some fairy lights in there and put some cushions and some materials but it's really a way of creating a mood a feeling a way of being So I hope that you can take some of these concepts into your early childhood environment. So, And my question that I want to leave you all with today is how can you bring these concepts into your early childhood spaces and how can you be more informed and considerate in these spaces and also involve the children in the decision making to support this or support their agency and their ability to make decisions in their world. So until next week, um, it's been my pleasure to join you all again this week. I love hearing from you all and meeting from you. So please get in touch. Let me know what you're up to. um, And we look forward to catching you next week. Until then, keep making every moment count. 
Thanks for listening to the Everything Early Childhood podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. We read them all. (laughs) To catch all the latest from me, your host, Lisa Brown, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Lisa Brown underscore Platinum Ed. Thanks again for listening. Keep making every moment count and I'll see you next time.